Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you that you brought us together on such a beautiful morning. Thank you for the opportunities that you put in front of us. We thank you for those who are here. Lord, I think about those who are on the trip or on or driving this morning. Ask that you keep them safe. Give them an awesome week of serving you. Lord, I ask that uh, you would strengthen us. For some of us, we've had a rough week. Maybe one of the most difficult weeks of our lives. And for some, Lord, it's been a victorious week. And, and we all come uh, here and we, Lord, in different spots. And yet, you are the same God. And so, Lord, we, we call upon you this morning. Speak to us through your word. May it not just be words or a nice story, but rather may it be a reminder of your love and your care. And Lord, it reminds us how we need to be as friends as well. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd encourage our hearts in that way. In your name we pray. Amen. We, we begin this morning. When we last met, David and Jonathan were figuring out whether Saul was going to kill David or not, right? You remember that? This is like the, this is part two. Verse 16 through 34. 1 Samuel 20. Then Jonathan said to, uh, sorry. Then Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed, because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began. And wait by the stone, Hazel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on on this side of you. Bring them here. Then come, because surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. And because the matters you and I discussed Remember, the Lord is a witness between you and me forever. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. And at his customary place by the wall, opposite Jonathan and Abner, sat next to Saul. But David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. And Saul said to Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal? Either yesterday or today. Jonathan answered, David David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem, he said. Let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. 
Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do I not know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled a spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table, and in fierce anger on that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. But that might be our heart this morning, that we would make him our foundation. That we would recognize not doing life without him. Lord God, thank you for your love and care over us. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for this group. Speak to us now in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may run too. That's right. Playing far too much Mario these days. Must be a good, must be good snack day or something. The sun is shining. It's warm. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, listen. You know, last month we had 100-year-old best friends share their secrets to lifelong happiness and friendship. Now, these two women have been friends for 94 years. Can you imagine what you'd think of the world today if you grew up back in the 30s? Well, we asked them to give us their opinions and their takes on today's pop culture. <laughs> Pretty funny some of the stuff they had to say. Check out Irene and Alice. Selfie? I don't know what she's saying. Where you take a picture of yourself and you put it on Facebook and let everybody when, see it. When do you take a picture of yourself? Oh, they do it. They do it. I don't. Oh, no, you don't and I don't. But they do. Who's they? Other people. Yeah. I gotta try that sometime. I had enough pictures taken of me. I didn't have to take my own picture. Have you heard of it? The dance? Yeah. Oh, I've been so far from the dance floor that I don't know <laughs> what's going on. We did the one, two, three shuffle. <laughs> when I think of it, we must have looked like I don't know what. Yes, a hundred percent. Listen. Oh, I am so irritated. And you can't call the telephone company. I don't know what happened to good old Illinois Bell Telephone that I used to work for. Oh, that kid, the singer? What do you think of who? Justin Ever, that singer. I think he's in movies, isn't he? He's not doing something right, from what I heard. 
I don't remember. Did it? Am I right? You're right. You're right. Oh, you're yeah. You're he, right. But I don't know what it is. Let's go. Let's go to the next question. That wasn't a very good one for <laughs> us, was it? <laughs> what is? I didn't hear the what baby you... name. What do you think of the baby name North? North? Whose name is that? Spell it. M O R T H. You're kidding. Oh, B F. Yes. Oh, best friends? No. Oh. F friends. Well, we say goodbye. B F S. That's supposed to. Oh, man. <laughs> helps us re, uh, helps me to think about uh, what friends look like, right? And uh, to remember um, what does true friendship look like. So we're on part two of, uh, of David, and we're going to talk this morning uh, some more about uh, friendship, right? We, we talked last week about what it looked like in the midst of David and Jonathan's relationship and having to go against um, what would have gone, was going to go against uh, Saul, Jonathan's dad's uh, setup, right? And Jonathan was, was trying to sort all that out and help David stay alive, right? We're not, we're not talking about someone getting upset with someone. We're talking about someone impaling them against the wall. Understand that this, there's some big decisions here. And, and it wasn't just someone being angry. And so today we're going to talk about what actually happens, right? And we, and we do know some of that story, right? We didn't read the part of the story. If you want to read the rest of the story, uh, you can go down from 35 on and you'll get a sense of the arrows, right? He flings some arrows. If I shoot them past and I say, keep going, that means you need to go. You need to get out of here. Um, you're going to die if you stay. And if I shoot him, and if I, no matter where I shoot him, as long as I tell the young boy, come, if they're this way, then you can come back and we can be uh, friends. And so we're, they're in the middle of, of that, uh, that story that we know pretty well. And so we're going to look again at some other um, characteristics of true friendship. And I want you to think about, as we, I laughed at that video, but it's funny, when you're with your, your friends, you're able to share those uh, ridiculous things of life. You're able to share those um, intimate moments of life. You're w willing uh, to be more transparent. And, and I think that's an important piece of our lives. If we, if we really ask ourselves about friendship, isn't that the most important part of, of our life, uh, having relationships? Right? It, it's not about how much money we make or how much stuff we have. It's about our relationships. And, and we recognize that at the end of our life, the most important things uh, are, are those people we had connections with or those memories we have of this journey together. And that doesn't include money all the time. It doesn't include power and all those things. It's, it's a part of 
of getting to know people and sharing life and, and being transparent and taking a chance. One of the struggles of friendship is when, when we get burned, right? When we get hurt. Relationships, when we get hurt. That closes us off and we're afraid to put ourselves out there to be transparent. And let me encourage you that there'll always be those things in life. Why? Because we're all human and we're all are sinners and we all have struggles and, and that's hard. And so sometimes we do have to be careful. Um, probably the worst ones are, are those who are really close to us and, and those toxic relationships where over and over and over we get hurt. And we have to be careful with those. But I want to encourage you to, to find faithful friends. Find friends um, that you can do life together with. Find friends that have like uh, mindsets, that have faith, right? Because Scripture tells us that iron sharpens iron. And so we want to be able to find those people that help build us up, who encourage us in the tough days, who can share a victory with us. Those are important pieces of our life. Don't minimize friendships. The last thing we want to do is walk through this life alone. Scripture is pretty clear, right? Where two or more are gathered together. A strand of three cords. Those are a couple of scriptures I don't have on the wall, but or on the board, but you still know those, you know those verses. There's a sense of doing this together is much better than doing this alone. And God created it that way for a reason. And so as we look at part two of this relationship, this friendship between Jonathan, the prince, right? Prince Jonathan, he was the son of Saul. Next to be in line, we get a sense of what dad's all worked up about in this process, right? If you didn't catch on, I'm not going to talk about it in the middle of the sermon a whole lot, but I want to just kind of give you a side note. Saul is, is really angry, that his son is not protecting his position. Do you not understand, he says? This, this David guy is going to come and take the throne. Back then, that wasn't mean that, didn't mean you had to go find another job. That usually meant that you didn't live. <laughs> right? There was a, they, they cut off the line uh, on purpose. Those people didn't survive. If you were the king who was disposed, unless you were exiled and got out, uh, which didn't happen all that often, uh, you usually didn't survive that transition. For good reason. If you're alive, you can cause problems. If you're dead, you're not going to cause problems. And so we see in the midst of this, Jonathan and David uh, just trying to come to terms with what's actually going to go going to happen in the midst of this. And so as we talk about true friendship this morning, we're going to start out by talking about reassuring commitment. It says Jonathan said had David taken oath again because he loved him. In fact, Jonathan loved David just as he loved himself. I want you to think just for a second about the friendships you have. Do you love those people? And, I, and it's not going to be every friendship, right? I think, I think we need to separate friendship from acquaintance because they're two very different things. Friendship goes both ways, back and forth. It's, it's, it's deeper. 
than an acquaintance. We might see someone at Walmart and say hello. That is not a friendship. Friendship is doing life together. Having, doesn't have to be, but having a meal together, spending time together, understanding each other's lives, understanding the struggles and the victories, knowing what's going on in each other's life, and giving a rip about it. Right? Some acquaintances we'll see in Walmart. I saw someone on Friday at Walmart, and we were just talking about life and how are things going, you know, and just it was like talking about the weather. Like you might talk to someone you don't even know. And it was like, good to see you. Got to go get my pop or whatever. I don't I think I was going for dog food at that moment. Right? And that's, that's more of an acquaintance. It's not that they're not, uh, uh, not important, but that's not a friendship. We're not doing life together. And so the people in the pews next to you, the people that you might come to a, uh, a Bible study with, a person you might have lunch with, uh, soup dinner. We didn't talk about that this morning, but um, there's soup dinner. Uh, is it after first service? Anybody know? Smarter people, smarter than me. Okay, if you if you want soup dinner, um, there's uh, it's after first service and probably after Sunday school and then after second service as well um, to raise money for the one great hour sure. Those are what those are what we're, like if it were me and I was I don't have any friends. My pew's empty. Rude. <laughs> uh, yeah. If I had friends in my pew, I'd invite them to the soup dinner. Why? Because that's a nice, friendly thing to do. Right? Maybe, and, and here's what I would encourage you to do. Invite someone you don't know. Because who knows what might happen. You might actually find a friend, someone you can connect with on a deeper level. See, because internally, I believe God has wired us. I know he has wired us to want to have those relationships, to want that we desire a closeness, a connection. We desire that. Right? There's power. That's not the right one. Sorry. Yesterday, I, I just want to make notice um, that we do have a couple new couples, right? Up in that balcony is Ike and Hannah Bartlett, right? Two whole weeks. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Get a chance to talk to them about their story. Cool story. And then in the back, right in front of Kelly, is uh, Bill and Cheryl Rains. Uh, and that's a cool story, too. Uh, we got to share that. Yeah. They have been married not even a whole day yet. 22 hours. <laughs> but no less exciting, uh, um, super cool story. Uh, great to make covenant with, uh, with God with them. But we understand that, um, that friendship uh, in, the, in that context in a marriage makes complete sense, right? We want to marry our best friend. And, and the statistics say that if, that if we marry someone that is our best friend, someone um, we're close to, someone we care about, like when I do marriage counseling and there's a lot of conflict or, or struggles, I always say, so why did you get married in the first place? Was this someone you found on the sidewalk? You were walking one way, they were walking the one way, the other way, and they're like, hey, I'm single, you're single, let's get married. No, that's not ever what happens, right? We meet someone, we kind of take a little bit of a liking to them, or they kind of, you know, connect somehow on some level of friendship, and then we begin to build that friendship, we build that relationship, we start to like them, and then all of a sudden, we're hanging out with them, and then, then all of a sudden, our friends around us, we don't have any friends, because 
Now we're beginning to fall in love, right? And then we build... Sometimes, yes, Kenny. Sometimes it's a lot more quickly and a lot more slowly. Sometimes, sometimes. But, but it's not still there, right, Ken? No. Okay. It has to be Good, because Veronica's elbow's not that far from your chin. And I, and I know for a fact she can go do one of those up, uppercuts. So, yeah, so we build into a friendship that leads into a relationship that leads into marriage, right? And in our friendships that we have with other people, we don't just walk in a room and say, hey, we're going to be lifelong friends. Nice to meet you. No, we meet people, and then we kind of connect with them, and then we figure out that, holy smokes, they're all right. I like hanging out with, oh, they like to do some of the things I like to do, and they do different things than I don't do, so we can kind of uh, we can kind of add into that some of the things in my life that maybe I didn't have before. They have a different perspective, and I can say, I can say, hey, what do you think about this, right? So friendship is so important to our lives. And, and in David and Jonathan's life, it, there's, there's a commitment made. They're, they're reassuring that commitment. And in, the, in Scripture, a lot of times we call it covenant, right? Uh, uh, making a covenant uh, before God, if, you, if you've not heard that word, that, that means a promise, right? Because let's go, let me go back real quick and I want to talk to people. That piece of paper, it's put on wood fibers, made into cardstock, right? Printed with ink that we can print in the, in the office. Let's, and if you pay whatever it is, I think it's 60 bucks now, you get a little number and, and, and it's typed out. Let's just be honest. That piece of paper is legitimately a piece of paper, right? You want to hear the craziest thing I've heard? Some people actually believe that we can fight and argue and not get along. And then if we get this piece of paper, all of our things, marriage problems are going to go away. Let's just be honest. Piece of paper will not keep us married. It's not the piece of paper that matters. It's the covenant. It's the promise. Uh, when you talk to people who have been married 40 or 50, 60 years, you quickly figure out that, they, but it wasn't, it wasn't this piece of paper that kept them married. It was the commitment to stay together, the promise to stay together through thick and thin. And you know, there's one thing that, I've, I, am, uh, that I can promise you uh, in a marriage there will be thick and thin. There will be ups and downs. There will be problems. You talk to someone with marriage who's been married 40, 50 years, there have been so many things. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. But the promise is there. You know, I, I always joke, I don't always like you, but I always love you, right? Love is different than liking. And in a marriage, we realize that sometimes I don't always like my spouse. Sometimes they irritate me. I know none of you have that problem. That I'm the only one. I get it. You can call me tomorrow. We'll talk about it, right? It's the covenant promise. It's the promise. God made a promise with us. And it's the promise that, that keeps the friendship going. When we make that covenant in front of God, that's why, that's why a marriage uh, to me in front of God is, is the most important piece 
of that marriage. It's a promise before God. You're not letting me down if you don't stay married. At the end of the day, I can stop it anyway, right? I can't fix it. It's God. That means no matter what, come heck or high water, whatever, whatever it is in our life that's a struggle, we are going to stay committed to each other. We are going to make covenant to stay committed to each other and put God in the middle of our marriage. That's what a covenant marriage looks like. And honestly, if, if we do that, we will continue that deep friendship that, that shows, uh, that respects uh, each other and shows our faith in God. God reminds us that that covenant in our life in our marriage, is a representation of the covenant he made with us. All the way back in Deuteronomy, he made with the Israelites, right? The Lord goes before you and will be with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For some of you, you need to write this verse down. Maybe you should get a tattoo of it. Maybe we should, I, I should have got a Sharpie and we could have all wrote it on our hands. I didn't think of that until just now. Right? Deuteronomy 31.8. God is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's always going to be there for us. That's what a true friend looks like. He is committed to our lives. He asks us to be committed to Him. Let me encourage you to commit your life to Him. True friendship, trust God. They put God in the middle. Did you see what David and Jonathan said? They said, and about this matter, right, that I discussed with you, remember the Lord is our witness between you and me. The Lord is the witness between you and me. And that's more important anything else we need to trust we need to trust that god is in the middle of our relationships if you're having a problem a struggle with a friend and you're not sure how to deal with it let me tell you how to deal with it first foremost take it to god in prayer first and don't don't ask six other friends what you should do with friend one don't do that Take it to God. Ask God how to address the problem or the concern, right? Because here's the reality. If we have a friend for very long, there's going to be a problem, right? There's going to be a challenge. There's going to be something that comes up that doesn't like, right? And we have two choices. We can either break that friendship off and say, see ya, or we can try to figure out how to work past that because that's what real friends do. You have a problem with your spouse and you're not sure how to deal with it. Take it to God. Ask God what to do. And then after you ask him what to do, ask him for the timing, for a, a spot. An open, like, hey, you know, maybe we have six kids and there's kids running around all over. I have never have five minutes to talk to my husband or my spouse, right? And, and maybe we ask God for that moment because here's what happens a lot of times if we're willing, most times if we're willing to ask God for something, especially like that, 
he accidentally, poof, right? Ta-da! He shows up. He shows up, and all of a sudden, holy cow, someone took all the kids. They all went somewhere. They all had friends, and this Christmas miracle happens, and now I'm with my spouse, and we have 10 minutes to talk about something we had uh, no plans or uh, had made a decision to talk about. Or maybe even better, our spouse brings it up because God puts it on their heart. Trust God in your friendships. Take them to God. If you don't know what to do with it, Matthew 18 talks about what to do with a friend um, when you have a problem. Don't gossip with other people. Please don't put it on Facebook. We live in a very small world. It doesn't take very long for someone to read, I don't want to mention a name, dun, 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 right? And then we're like, well, you only have three friends. Let's see, let's, let's pick up, right? <laughs> right? People do it all the time. It's, it's, it's my sense of entertainment. I get on Facebook to see what people put on there. So I'm watching y'all. <laughs> if you notice, I only post about once or twice a year. There's a reason. Because <laughs> if I post, I'd probably post dumb things too. Do it the right way. Right? I, my favorite are the ones that where the relationship's a little rocky and it's like, I don't even know why I'm in this relationship. Blah, blah, blah. Three hours later. I love my spouse. Three hours later. <laughs> Yikes. Trust God in our relationships, in our friendships. Put God in the middle. If we do that, we're convinced. Like Jonathan and David Put God in the middle of the situation. And Jonathan invokes God and says, you know, we've had this conversation. We saw that last week as well, right? Uh, we had this conversation, and this is between you, I, and God, Jonathan says to David. So I trust that David and Jonathan understood the deep relationship and how they were bringing that before God. When you're given that transparency from a friend, be very, very, very careful with that information. People come to us because they believe that we'll keep a secret and that we'll keep it confidential and that we will help them. And the moment we talk about it with some one other person, it becomes gossip. Be careful. Be careful. You are other people's lives in the balance of what you say. Franklin Roosevelt reminds us that great power involves great responsibility. And as Christians, I believe we have a leg up and I'll tell you why. Especially with our non-Christian friends. Our non-Christian friends know who we are. I don't know about you, but I get texts. Would you pray for? Could you pray for? Can I talk to you about? My marriage is in a mess. Can I talk to you about that? I hope you get those texts. I hope you get those phone calls, those conversations. But understand in the midst of that, you have someone's life in your hands. 
They're not asking you to tell their family, your family, about it. They're asking you to take it to God. And in confidentiality, you take it to God. That's why when we get prayer requests and we don't know the name of the person, it's okay. Guess what? God knows that person. Right? God knows who we're praying for. He will fill in the details. If you're on the Facebook prayer chain, you'll notice that what I post is extremely generic and on purpose. Why? Because it's like telephone, telefriend. You know how that works, right? We tell six people and, and the message has changed. And what I've learned through that experience is that only thing that can happen is people can get hurt. Sometimes we get the wrong name or we get the wrong problem or the wrong family, right? Those things can happen. Keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. And do what's really important, which is the prayer. Praying for them. All too often we want to lean our, on our own understanding. And this verse, this passage comes to mind a lot in my brain. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, right? In all your ways, trust God and He will make your path straight. Trust in God and He will make your path straight. All too often, it's trust in Dan. And then you know what you get? You get one of those trails where it just falls off and you fall off, right? There's no trail left. I walk into a dead end. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Finally, true friendship requires hard decisions. Does anybody like hard decisions? Anybody? Daryl, do you like hard decisions? Daryl raised his hand. He likes hard decisions. We don't like hard decisions, do we? We like it to be black and white. I would like a true and false question for the rest of my life, right? Everything I get answered in the rest of my life will be a true and false or a yes and a no. I don't like the gray. You know what's funny? Real ministry is really gray. And if you haven't seen the gray of ministry, you, don't, you haven't stepped far enough in, right? It's gray, it's messy, it's very rarely black and white. Salvation, black and white, right? You ask Jesus into your heart, that's very black and white. But once you get into ministry, you understand that, that there are a lot of things that don't always add up uh, exactly, and there's a lot of messiness to, uh, to understanding ministry. And there are hard decisions to be made. And true friendship requires hard decisions. Just think for a minute. I'll read this and then we're going to talk about it. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Get a point. Now you know where that term comes from, eh? Do you, do you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you after church. <laughs> right? Don't you know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? 
<laughs> you know how hard a decision it is to go against your family for a friend? Do you understand this, the challenge that Jonathan had? He knew what was right. He knew what was of God. But he had, to, he had to sacrifice his own desire to be the king. He had to sacrifice his own desire to let down his father. I'm pretty sure these curse words were, were hurtful and painful to Jonathan. It required a very difficult decision for Jonathan to make. He knew what was God's plan. He knew what was best. He knew his father was not the king he needed to be and that he would not be on the throne and that his family would not be on the throne. That God had turned away from Saul. Do you realize how much sacrifice was offered in that moment when Jonathan understood, I have to do what's right. And I want you to think about the friendships you have. And are you willing to, re to do the hard decisions? Are you willing to say the hard things in love that some people need to hear? Great verse for you to think about. Speak the truth in love. In love. And if you can't say it in love, don't speak it. Speak the truth in love. That means we can tell somebody that something they don't want to hear, but we have to find a way to do it lovingly. We have to help them understand that we're not saying this out of anger or frustration. We're saying it out of love for them. That's what Jonathan did. He said, I'm going to make this decision. And we know what decision he makes, right? He goes out right after this passage and he chucks the three arrows. And he tells the young boy, the young boy who's going to pick him up, go further. Got to go further. Right? And David, we know David hides behind, behind him behind the, uh, the rock. And he hears that to his sadness. Because at that moment, David realizes that that was a hard... If I was Jonathan, I would, I would be torn. I, I want to see my friend, my brother, one more time. Jonathan knows full well that when he sends David away, there's a good chance he'll never see him again. I think he does see him again, though. But there's a chance that he won't see him again. It's his best friend. You know that feeling uh, when someone moves away. When someone we love moves to somewhere where we're not going to be spending time together. When someone goes away, we no longer have a connection with them. It's in those moments we get a sense of that pain of separation. It takes sacrifice for Jonathan to tell David the truth. True love is built on sacrifice, and that sacrifice often means putting others' needs above your own. True friendship puts others' needs above your own.
True friendship reminds me of what Jesus did for us. John 15, 12 through 14 says, This is my commandment, to love each other the same way I loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for another one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus laid down his life for us, for his friends. Are you willing? See, because lots of times we'll say, I, I hear it all the time, I'll take a bullet for you or I'll, you know, I'd do anything, right? Be careful what you say. And ask yourself the hard questions. Would you really be able or willing to give your life for your friends? That's what Jesus did. He took that friendship to the cross. And if I'm honest, I want to be able to pick and choose who I'm going to take to the cross for, right? Jesus took it for everybody. He said, you know what? I don't even care. If you turn your back, if you spit in my face, the ones who spit in his face, the ones who gave him 39 lashes, the ones who nailed him to the cross, who made fun of him, who ripped his clothes off his bleeding body, he went to the cross for them. He also went to the cross for us. Each one of us. That's what a friend looks like. If you'd like to make him your friend, you have that opportunity this morning. It's so simple. That's the, that's the, the silly part. It's so simple. It's not hard to get Jesus to come in and be a part of your life. But what it takes is humility. Because pride is the problem. Pride gets in the way. It gets in his line. It, it, it creates a wall between us and God. Because we almost honestly believe we don't need God. I got it figured out enough that I can stumble my, bumble my way through life. When the reality is, sorry for your luck, it's not going to work out that way. To humble our hearts and ask Jesus into our life. We have to understand, we don't have what it takes to get to heaven. You don't have some secret method. You don't have a secret method at Greenfield that we don't have anywhere else in the world, right? I, don't, I have a secret potion that will get me to heaven. It doesn't work that way. It's about humbling our hearts and saying, you know what? I don't have what it takes to get to heaven. I need Jesus to change my life. If you want that this morning, there'll be an opportunity when we do offering. Come forward. Come talk to me. Pray with me. Let me pray with you. Ask Jesus into your life. It's not that hard. Kindergartners are going to do it in a month, right? There'll be about 20 little kids in there, six, six years old, four, five, six years old. And those kids will be weighing on every uh, word that's spoken at VBS. And when the moment says, would you like Jesus to come into your heart? And they're like, heck yeah, why wouldn't I? And you know what? They show us up as adults. Because their faith is real and strong. If you haven't asked Jesus into your life and you want to ask him into your life today, don't leave without that opportunity. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. I thank you for David's 
uh, friendship with Jonathan. Lord, thank you for the opportunities you put in front of us. Uh, Lord, to be friends. Lord, maybe be good friends. Friends that hear and love and care and uh, share life together, Lord, and are transparent. Are willing to, uh, to step into the gap and love. Lord, may we be those kind of friends to others. Lord, you have been that friend to us. What a friend we have in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.